My name is Mike DeSocio. I am a journalist based in Troy, New York. I freelance and write for a variety of national and local publications, and I mainly cover cities, climate change, and the LGBTQ community. And how did you end up becoming a journalist? I've wanted to be a journalist pretty much since high school and followed that path through college. That was my major. I worked in a few different kinds of newsrooms, a traditional print, public radio, and then when I graduated, ended up here in Albany for a job at the Albany Business Review, where I got to do a similar mix of things, but ultimately landed on reporting and writing, and that's really what I'm most passionate about. Public radio, how cool. So have you produced audio segments as well? So I kind of got into public radio through a side door. I was mostly doing digital editing, sort of social media, that sort of thing. I was at WBUR working on the show On Point. Never really got to produce much. They allowed me to help produce one show, uh, but my, my role was really more digitally focused. Very cool. And so you recently had a piece published in The Guardian about upstate New York. Can you tell us a bit about that article? Yeah, I wrote about the city of Rochester and how it's attracting a significant number of trans residents from all over the country who are fleeing states where their rights have essentially been uh, curtailed, their health care has been banned. So I found this really surprising. I initially heard about it offhand at a professional conference, and the idea that hundreds of people were moving to a city like Rochester for any reason really seemed newsworthy to me. Um, and in this sort of political climate of anti-trans legislation, I thought I wanted to learn more about what was really happening. And so what I found is that Rochester, but also cities across upstate New York, Albany, Buffalo, Syracuse, are attracting people because they are relatively affordable and they are places where queer rights are affirmed, where gender-affirming care is uh, available. So they kind of fly under the radar, but they've become very popular on, on the internet in threads where people are asking, where should I move? And they're attracting a lot of trans folks. So what was the conference you were at where this became apparent to you? So this was the conference for LGBTQ journalists. It's called NLGJA. And a panelist mentioned offhand that hundreds of folks were moving to Rochester. He was one of them who had recently moved to Alfred, New York, which is not quite Rochester, but in the same region of the state. And I expected a room full of journalists to jump on that story, but then a few months went by and no one had written it, so I decided I wanted to write it. How does that work at the Hudson Hook Magazine where a group of volunteer news producers, and I'm just curious, how does that work? You, you know that there's a story you want to write. Do you reach out and try to pitch that story to publications? Yeah, so for this one, I did a significant amount of pre-reporting, which I don't always do as a freelancer because it's unpaid work. But I really wanted to make sure that number was correct, that it was a significant trend, that I could find sources. Um, and so I started, I started doing that. I reached out to community organizers. I kind of got that baseline of the story and a couple of sources ready to go. Yeah, and then I pitched it. Um, it ended up at The Guardian, which I was really happy about. I've written a bit for their climate desk, but this was my first time writing a feature for them. What stories have you written for their climate desk? Actually, another story about upstate New York. This one was about Ithaca, which I wrote a couple years ago, had advanced a really ambitious plan to decarbonize the entire city. Uh, they had get, gotten a really significant sum of money, I, I believe it was $100 million, to basically start going building by building and replacing heating systems and insulating and putting on solar. And it was a really ambitious plan, especially for a city of that size. 
Very interesting. When you do write a story like that, are you kind of limited to the space that you can write to? Yeah, my editor did give me a, a suggested word count, so I tried my best to stay within it. it. Ended up a little bit longer, which I was happy about. I felt like there was a lot of story to, to tell here. Was there anything that didn't make it into the article that you want people to know? Honestly, I think I really got the main points in there. There were additional examples. So in the article, I give three examples of folks who've recently moved. Uh, I had talked to more than that. We kind of picked the ones that made the most sense. Um, but I think really all of the trends and the factors that I want to talk about made it in there. For those who haven't read the article, can you walk us through one of the sort of prototypical stories? Yeah, so um, one was someone named Jennifer who recently moved from St. Louis, Missouri. She was really bummed to leave St. Louis. It was a place that she loved. She had good schools, good neighbors. The city itself was great, but the state of Missouri had for a couple of years been considering anti-trans legislation and she was raising a trans daughter. And she said the mental toll was so intense, even when nothing passes, but eventually something did pass. There are now several anti-trans laws in Missouri. And so they asked themselves, where can we go? Where do we have chosen family? that can support us. One place was Chicago, one place was Rochester, and they basically just said, Rochester seems more affordable, so let's move there. Uh, that was over the summer. They've settled in really nicely. They've found it to be really accepting and affirming and have found good schools. Um, housing remains a bit of a challenge. They're just renting for now, but I think overall they were really happy with their decision. Very cool. Um, I know you focused on Rochester in the story specifically, uh, but you mentioned that the trend is wider than that. Um, and, and you also mentioned that upstate New York isn't necessarily always seen as sort of a liberal bastion. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. And when I came to the story, I was kind of surprised, like, why Rochester? Um, and I know living in the Albany area that this is an accepting place. And what I found was that that's really true of most of the upstate cities. So um, they are kind of these blue islands, uh, so to speak. And a recent kind of LGBTQ inclusivity rating gave perfect scores to Albany, Syracuse, and Rochester. Buffalo got a 97, so not too far behind. Um, so it's a little bit surprising. They do fly under the radar, but Rochester in particular has long been a really queer affirming place. Their Pride Month lasts for two months. Uh, it's June and July. So I don't think it's surprising to anyone who lives in these places, but it is surprising sometimes to the outsiders. I have to ask, did Troy make the list? Troy was not on the list. I think it kind of gets lumped into Albany as far as the major metros go. Fair enough. Is there anything that didn't make it into the story that you wish that you could let people know about? Yeah, I think this story focused mainly on care for adults. Um, that seemed to be the more significant trend here. Um, a lot of adults are moving themselves for gender-affirming care for their own safety. Um, but obviously there's a lot of families moving. That example I gave earlier of Jennifer moving for the sake of her daughter, um, that's a really significant trend too. Um, some folks are moving even before their kids need the care, um, just out of fear that their states are not gonna be welcoming places for their kids. So that's happening in Rochester too. It wasn't really quite in the scope of the story to tackle both, but it's definitely significant. You mentioned that the healthcare facility that is treating Jennifer's child has begun to track folks moving to the state. Do you have any numbers from them yet? Yeah, so the numbers that they gave me were for overall patient increases. So the number of trans patients at the clinic has risen from about 200 to 2,000 over the course of six years. 
like I said, they started tracking the state movement only recently, so they didn't have those numbers. Um, but the director of the trans program there said it's definitely increasing. He's seeing 16 new patients every week. So it's really kind of mind-blowing how, how big these numbers are. You mentioned that you have several topics that you touch on, and this is essential in LGBTQ plus communities. And you're also working on a relevant book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I'm writing a book about the Boy Scouts of America and their fight over LGBTQ membership. So the book is called Morally Straight. It's a play on the Scout Oath, uh, which implores Scouts to be morally straight, although that, of course, never met heterosexual. And so I'm telling the story of this essentially 40-year battle. It started as a legal battle for gay men to gain membership in the Boy Scouts. Uh, When that failed in the Supreme Court, it became a grassroots media campaign that eventually uh, yielded victories in the 2010s. And uh, the Boy Scouts is now a place that is open to kids of all genders and sexual orientations. So I am telling that sweeping story of the whole movement. Were you a Boy Scout? I was, I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm also queer, so this is a very personal story to me. I was in the program in the 2010s when all of this was really going down. So I never really faced discrimination in the program myself, but it was an extremely personal kind of conflict for me as it was all going on. Mm. Where can people go to learn more about all of your work? The best place is my website, MikeDesocio.com. That's M-I-K-E-D-E-S-O-C-I-O. There's a page there for my book. You can pre-order it at this point. It's coming out in June. And you can also find this story about Rochester along with a lot of my other recent stories. You're a storyteller. That's what you do. And I know you from the Front Parlor series uh, here in Troy, although it's, I think, all over. Can you tell our audience about that? Yeah, so I've, I've always considered myself a storyteller, too. And the Front Parlor series is open mic storytelling. Right now, we're just in Troy. We used to be in Albany, too, but that sort of didn't survive the pandemic. So we gather every month and we do storytelling in the style of the moth, which many listeners may be familiar with. You go up, you tell a true story from your life without notes in five minutes or less. And they're organized around a theme. And every month we're kind of blown away by the people who come in and share these just incredible experiences with us. Where can people go to learn more about that? The best place is probably on Instagram, at Front Parlor Series. We post about our events every month. You can see the theme ahead of time. Or you can just show up. We're at the Lucas Confectionery every second Wednesday of the month. Very cool. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks so much for having me.